And so then I said, (laughs) we don't need to count them all. No, no, no. But we we do, though. We do. Do we? Because that is how the democratic process works, yeah. Yeah. I mean, does it? Well, apparently, according (laughs) to the man with the, the nuclear like warheads attached to a button beneath his tiny hand we we shouldn't bother beyond midnight on election night because that's election night despite the fact that like you know votes still have to be counted you turd bucket the only no attention to the nuclear warheads behind the curtain oh no the only reason you declare victory on election night is if it is a obvious absolute landslide like that's the only reason you do it and yet, everyone with a, with a brain hole predicted Trump would try to declare victory on election night, regardless of the result, and then try to dispute the future result over the coming days. And he did exactly that on election night. Predictable! We're recording this, we're recording this on Wednesday the 4th of November. Yeah, so, so the full uh, results aren't in yet. It might end up being a Trump victory at this point. We don't know. But I know that my asshole has never puckered more than it has this week. It's been 5p, 10p in. Yeah, so yeah. rapidly that it may as well be my new way of breathing. Um, my, my my asshole's been blinking. Like it's, I'm gonna it's... start. I'm gonna put a mask over mine. <laughs> Just so I don't <laughs> exhale anything. Well, I've got a mask over everything else. Oh god, uh... they're taking away my rights and making me wear masks over my asshole. Can't do it. Ah, you're not taking away my freedoms. <laughs> not gonna lock down my ass for a month. Oh, speaking of... Um, hello. Hello. As of this episode, unless uh, Keir Starmer and Boris Johnson beat the piss out of each other tonight in some now, way that makes that, sense, that, I'd pay to see that. That's a cage <laughs> match I'd watch. <laughs> uh, we're back in lockdown as of the release of this here in Woo! the UK. Um, some still going to work, like is Nibs on the other end of this Skype call. Um, never not going some, to work, mate. Never not going to work unless it's Monday, so, Saturday, or Sunday. Yeah, well, or you could be like me. Uh, every gig has now vanished. <laughs> every gig, every gig has vanished. So uh, I'm going to be uh, uh, just selling pictures of one of my testicles. Ah. Uh, but I'm waiting to see what the result of the election is because I'm going to paint it up to look like uh, Trump or Biden. And I'll be honest, I think the wrinkles will be enough to sell the old man neck. Just I do just them. Need to find the smoothest surface to draw features onto. Just do them both, and then you. Then you just put the right one up on your only fan when it's ready. <laughs> or do you mean physically put it up like karate yeah. masters, like suck it up into my body? No, no, no. <laughs> like store it there. Just have it set, <laughs> just have it scheduled on your only fan. And then just I can't go near my right only fan. Go. I can't go near my only fan. Quarantine, Matt. I can't oh, go near right. them. Okay, of course. Of course. Um Hi everyone, welcome to Big Damn testicles with faces on uh yeah. nerdy news geeky gossip stuff that's fit to distract you for about half an hour except not really because we're talking about the world so shut up uh i am uh chris why do we still have the electoral college johnson uh and i am matthew it's not our electoral system we're in the uk watson i know but it's i think we're all clinging on to it for some form it's of emotional it's moral win it's um yeah. it's if the centrist left can win out over the far right. There's hope that we might be able to claw something back because it's been yeah. moving so far right over the last decade. And as I say, as of, as of the recording of this, this could age very badly. It's very tight and we're not sure which, which way it's going to come down. And if it ends up being a bit victory for the far right, I think um, hope... Is gonna is gonna be lost Take for a some beating. people, yeah. and um, if it is a victory for the centrist left, then you know there's a chance that we might be able to push it further. And also, in terms of relations for our country with the US, are going to be different depending on whether it's with Trump or Biden, because Biden has been um, uh, less than complimentary about Boris Johnson in the past, mm. um, which is sort of. In terms of a human reaction, I'm like, good, yes, call yeah. out our current leaders on their shit. 
But of course, in terms of a country reaction, with what's going on with Brexit and all that shite, we're going to yeah. have to rely very heavily on the US. And if Biden can't be asked to do business with us because of Boris Johnson, then, I mean, on the upside, it well, may Biden mean some difficulties for a time. But it may also mean that um, it may also mean that four years down the line when we get to once again choose who's in office, barring some form of horrendous scandal or mishap in the meantime, yeah, then we might finally have a country going, especially the half that voted to leave the EU without really thinking about it or for shit reasons. Mm. We'll hopefully have them come around going, oh, we're fucked. Right, we need to go back in. Let's let's get people in who'd have a better, who'd create better relationships with Europe and let's... Etc, 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 etc. All I know is, um, if Trump does win again, the Democrats next time need to have a candidate. Because obviously they won't have to bother about Trump, except Mm. they will, because he keeps talking about having 14 years and all this stuff. It's like, that's not even a bloody... That's not even a multiple of four, you fucking idiot. Um, Also, I don't think he's going to survive another 14 years. I don't want him to survive another 14 hours. (laughs) I want... I want him to have a strop. I want him to have a strop on stage about this all being unfair and rigged and then descend a tiny ramp, fall and break his neck on the way down. Because that means he'll have at least felt some humiliation before he dies in a hilarious I'm not, way. I'm not one to wish death on people, but fuck that guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't want death on I don't wish death on him. I wish a hilarious happenstance to lead to his eventual death. Oh, okay. I'm just kind of hoping okay. it happens soon. I'm not saying I want you dead, Donald Trump. I'm saying I want to see your death be a hilarious event, Donald Trump, when well, the time comes. To be and fair, I like it to be swift. There is a hilarious event leading to most people's deaths, and it's called their life as viewed by a third party. Um, yes. <laughs> the Democrats need to have somebody in 2024 who basically will beat the piss out of him vocally. Like, do you remember how we all kind of felt a little cheered up when Joe Biden went, will you shut up, man, in the first yeah. debate we all went, all right, that we kind of nice. want you to keep you cool, but at the same time, that was really refreshing to see happen. Next time, you just get somebody who's actually going to bollock him or whoever's, like, following in his footsteps. Somebody's just going to, you know... Like, verbally bully the opponent, but also bring everything with them that is actually sound, solid, and a decent, like, you know, plan for what they would do if they get in. AOC. It sucks that you have to... AOC. Oh, oh she AOC. would be phenomenal. She wouldn't take any shit. It would be wonderful to see her in a debate. It really, really would. I don't think it's going to happen because America. But, um, you know... I mean, let's face it. I think a qualifying um, uh, trait of any presidential candidate should be whether or not they can beat or assist someone in beating Beaver Bother. Yes. And uh, we know yes. that AOC has the capacity to at least understand Donkey How do Kong. I beat Beaver Bother? <laughs> <laughs> oh, who the only... houses to, Ben? That's... Fucking Aquaman. <laughs> That's the only reason why... Um, former Father Ted and Black Books writer, whose name shall not be mentioned, has sort of fallen on hard times just because he didn't know how to beat Beaver Bother. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. That's all it was. Yeah. It was as nothing far as he's else. <laughs> as far as he's concerned, that's probably why. That's all it was, um, and nothing else. Speaking of nothing speak- else... Nothing else? Hey! Here's the rest of the show! Um, Ladies and gentlemen... Fuck all's been happening, but we do have some dribbles of news. We also have reviews, because something Review. wonderful happened last week, and I think we will probably touch on it week by week, let's be honest. Why yeah, because it's Fuck not it. like there's we fucking anything else going on. Spoiler warning ahead for The Mandalorian. Um, season 2, episode season one. Two, chapter 9. <laughs> chapter 9. That's not going to get confusing. <laughs> um... But yeah, other than that, what other news has kicked off this week? Has there been anything Fuck really? Fuck it's been in media wise, everything is slow to a glow. Oh, Cyberpunk has been delayed. Um, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, due to them needing a bit more time to finish it up. I can't uh, say I'm A surprised or B bothered. Well, that's the thing. Beaver rumors, bothers, one might say. Rumors were coming out earlier on this year that crunch was happening there. Oh yeah, yeah. Declaring otherwise. Definitely. So either they have gone, yeah, this is a bad outlook, or 
oh no, we're actually terrible people if we force this, and have gone, we're going to put another three and a half weeks on development for this game before we start shipping. Mm. Or they just legit couldn't quite fix a certain problem and have decided, yeah, we're going to get this done because they've looked at certain other big releases this past year, Avengers, <coughs> and seen how people have very vocally and then financially been uh, uh, making an example of games that have been pushed out to full price that have been far from ready. Was it so their transphobia? Was that the problem they were trying to solve? Probably. Jeez. Isn't everything shit? Yes. No. No. Because yes. the Mandalorian came out. Did the it? Mando Mando came out. Oh Did my it? god. As part of your Halloween streams and leaking into November, you've been playing Alien Isolation over on Twitch.tv slash Big Damn Stream. You've got further than we ever got when we did the initial Big Damn Stream. I have. Spoilers for a five-year-old game. I you know have. You know there's two of them, right? <laughs> At least one might say. Oh, hello. <laughs> Jammy Dodger. <gasps> Jammy you've Dodger brought, Blondie. You've been brought Bizgwees. Mm. Oh, Blondie. Mmm. Where'd you find them? Sykes's, mate. Oh, the Chippy have started doing blonde... Oh, well, I know where oh, I'm mate. ordering from. Jesus, I know where I'm ordering from during lockdown. Yep, boy. Christ alive. I thought I'd looked out today. We went to Costco with my dad and stepmom. Um, and I bought one of their pizzas. Because I was like, I'm going to buy a fat-ass pizza for eight quid. And the pizzas Costco do that are bigger than several children. I was like, I'll buy one. I'll have a yes. couple slices for lunch, and I'll have a couple more slices for lunch tomorrow, and then I've got a couple to like snack on tonight if I'm still hungry after a big lunch. Now, I managed half of it over the course of four hours. <laughs> I was like, the rest of this is getting foiled right the hell now. Yeah, I'm dead inside. I can't, I can't do this anymore. But it will at least keep me fed for a few days. Good. And then I can go, right, Sykes and Uber Eats. For everyone's confused, yes. Sykes is a chippy in our local area. It's is, very good. It's like the one that everyone always references as like, Oh, what's the best chippy you had at Sykes? It's the best chippy. Oh, oh, didn't even get to the end of my sentence, Sykes. It's, it's <laughs> almost good enough to have Sheridan Smith do an ad about giving it Google reviews. <laughs> yeah, that's been popping up everywhere. That's been all over the place. And it's not, who else has done one as well? Sheridan Smith's done one and someone else has done one. I can't remember his name. Anyway. Fella. Some, that guy from The Thing with stuff That dude it. from The Thing. That guy. Some, that some, dude. Some see. Some that say. dude. Uh, the Mandalorian. <laughs> it's not The Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk about The Mandalorian because it's back. We're going to talk about The Mandalorian because uh, you've been having your spacefaring adventures and you've been fighting against the evil creatures mm. uh, in space. So Mandalorian returning takes us back into the childlike innocence of, of spacefaring adventures. It's, it's never more has it been a space western than it was this week. Oh, Jesus. I mean, help. The title was, of course, as you said, The Marshal. The Marshal. We're dealing with a marshal, an appointed sheriff of a town way out west in the middle of the desert on its Bob Todd. Um, uh, yeah, well, so we don't spoilers start, ahead we don't for start there. Uh, the episode. Just, just mm. a warning. We're not going to be shy spoils. about uh, There's no major plot revelations in this episode, so if you're a little too worried about, like, should I well, stop now? I've not seen it. There's a couple there's of no, interesting no real... reveals. Yeah, but the, I, we don't know if they are plot-centric yet going forward. They could have just been tasty little nuggets of, of fun. But um, but we know <laughs> we, we know that they're fan-pleasing, because I don't know about you, but me watching it, I was like, yeah. On several oh, levels. Damn it, show. Damn it. You've done it. Well, we You're telling talk. a story that doesn't need any extended knowledge of anything beyond just this show, and yet you've put stuff in that everyone who's seen the other stuff will go, oh, oh. No. Well, yes, because of course the the titular <laughs> marshal of this episode has been a character in other Star Wars media since the reboot yeah. of the EU. Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth. Um, Cobb Vanth, who... uh, played finally on screen by Timothy Oliphant. Yes, and it's uh, a character who was mentioned in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath trilogy. Aftermath, yeah. Um, whereas here. He's in the flesh and exuding maximum daddy energy. Well, he's um, basically um, <laughs> his big uh, daddy energy. His justified character. Yeah, yeah. Now you've said it. That's yeah. basically what he's doing because that character was created by Chuck Wendig in homage to that character, <laughs> and now here Timothy Oliphant is playing him. Uh, there we go. 
it things so, have gone full circle. Full so Mando, Mando, as of the end of last series, sent out by um, by the oh, what was the name of the Mandalorian who forges the armorer? The armorer sent out by the armorer. She basically went. Right, your deal now. You've got to find where this little little child comes from. The child, the child, the child. You have to find out where he comes from, getting with his own people. Well, how am I going to do that? Find more Mandalorians. They're, we're out there. We're scattered. We're disconnected. Find more of them. The more you find, the more you learn of our people's past. The more you learn of our people's past, the more you'll learn of the, the galaxy, and the closer you'll be able to get to finding where this kid belongs. The Jedi, like that. the sorcerers it's, from the old tales. Yeah, well, that's the... That's, that's the great setup for this series. Last series was pure Western shenanigans. I think this series is going to verge a little more on the mythical in places. But this, well, yeah, they, they is... sort of invoke it with his. He's been quested to bring the, yeah. the bring to bring the child back to its own kind. So it gives it that sort of mythical air straight away. I love it's how nice. he's always with him as well. Like he yep. doesn't leave his side. It's just always there, um, in a little knapsack. And a little bag on the side of the speeder bike, like just, just always with him. In his little no hovercot, loving life. And his little hovercot. <gasps> right, can we talk about the opening? Because the hovercot is the yeah. star of the opening sequence. Yep. Jesus. So they're on one planet, gathering information, looking for a Mando. Um, Mando's looking for a Mando. Uh, and is he though? Well, is he though? Is he a little bit? Kind of. He is anyway. though. They arrived there, and I was getting some massive Attack the Block vibes from those monsters in the shadows. Like, yeah, you never yeah. really saw them. It was just this, this light of the great. eyes. They were really neat. That was cool. Uh, we enter an illegal... <laughs> I was going to say cockfighting ring, but Gamorian guard fighting Yeah, Gamorians. With, with, which begged the question that me and Keeks had. How do you tell which one's which? Yeah. They are, they are the identical from head to toe, yeah. Um... I guess based on which injuries they get in the fight. Well, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> who am I betting on? The one who gave that one that bruise. Yeah. All right, okay. But yeah, so, Gamor- so that was kind of nice. It was like, oh shit, Gamorrean, sure. We saw him in Return of the Jedi, all dolled up, guarding Jabba's palace. Now we see them in a bare-knuckle fist fight in a ring that's being uh, bid on by a bunch of crooks and dodgy fuckers, including a partially CG, mostly physical-affected Cyclops-like a- alien. Hell of a design. And it was John Leguizamo. Yep. What the fudge? Like, they are getting top tier talent going. Well, because I Can saw. I be in it? I Can I like, be in when, it somewhere? When the credits <laughs> You'll be came under up prosthetics. The end of the episode, yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, oh, you'll be either under prosthetics or you just just be voiceover. Um, <laughs> but I, when I saw the credits pop up, I was like, John Leguizamo. Who the fuck was John. Oh. Uh... <laughs> He was the giant space worm. Um, it but it's made me want to revisit this all. episode and listen to him a bit more and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. But a great start. We get to see the uh, the, the multi-targeted mini rockets like uh, doing their thing again, taking out a bunch of people in one go. Yes. Um, which, which is the highlight comedy beat of the... Because there's lots of funny little moments in this one. The highlight comedy beat for me is that moment where he's like, he's making it clear that he's going to take them all down. And you just see the child go, oh shit. And like <laughs> lean back in his cot. But then lean out, press the button on the front, lean back and the cot closes. It's brilliant. It's like, this is great. They've hung out long enough that this baby is like, yeah, I know where this is going. I'm going to I'm gonna hide. I'm going to get it's inside this stuff. pod. Oh, such good character work. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. So we get some uh, some Batman Begins style justice. Like mm-hmm. I swear, I will I will I will not take you. I will not take your life. Yeah. And then he switches off the light, leaving him dangling there. So the shadow creatures will find him and eat him. Oh, <laughs> oh. It's true. He didn't take his life. Uh, it's taking us back to Tatooine. The the intel leads him back to Tatooine, where there's apparently a Mandalorian has been yeah. hiding out there for a few years quite a few years now we get to see um, amy sedaris space mechanic and her droids yes. again yes yes with the uh what are those ones called pit, pit droids. droids yeah from episode one and last series of mando rocking back up again yeah uh, there was a lot of episode one references in this as well there was there was quite a few episode one well, references yes. specifically. yes um which was not a bad thing it worked quite well there was also finally a uh kind of explanation for a bit of set dressing in the original Star Wars film. 
Oh, yes. So they C-3PO and R2-D are walking across the desert. And they just used whatever like prop the effects team had. They were like, well, "I've got this giant fucking dinosaur skeleton. Do you want to use that? Just put that on the on the sand dunes." Yeah, sure. So we've all seen that big long neck, giant spine, and a big skull. And this went. Should we actually put those dragons in something? Now I know they've been done before. Um, they've been talked about before. I've not come across any uh, Star yeah, Wars I... media in which they actually feature. No, the the one that the I think the the, the creature that Boba Fett is riding in his debut in the animated. Uh, section of the holiday special is sort of a similar kind of shape. It's a big long brontosaurus type neck, and it's mm. got a chunky little body. Whereas this just goes, oh, no, no, you, you guys have no idea. It's a giant freaking worm thing that they yeah. refer to as a dragon. It's tremors. It's huge. Yeah, it's it's tremors. Star it's tremors. Wars does tremors on Tatooine. Um, so he gets out to Tatooine, learns that yeah, Moss Eisley. Now you 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 got no no chance. Um, Moss, whatever you have got no chance, but. There is Moss Pelgo. It's like, yep. what the hell's Moss Pelgo? It's like, it's another another town on Tatooine's surface. But the Empire scrubbed it from the most recent maps. Um, can't remember why they did it now, but the idea is like, yeah, they for whatever reason, they just scrubbed it. Like it's I think it was like, um, uh, like a resistance or rebellion sim- or suspected of being sympathizing and then they just fucking wiped it off the map. Ah, yeah. So they, they, I think they, something they, like that. I have no idea. Yeah. Either they got rid of it, or it was like somewhere they used as a secret outpost, so they removed it from public records, so no one would like find it. Also, it's it was it was involved in the Star War at some point. Yes. Um. But Mando uses the older, older, uh, her her intel, uh, of the older map, looking at the new one to figure mm. out roughly where it is, and off he heads. The older map displayed by R five, which is the same. Yes. Uh, Astromech yes! that nearly. Nearly he bad, had a bad motivator. He had a yeah. bad mo- that droid had a bad motivator, Matt. You can't put a pin it on him. It's not his fault. But yeah, she's like, R5, come over it. I just turned to Lucy and was like, it's fucking R5. And Lucy, who loves Star Wars, went, Lucy, who loves Star Wars, went, who? I was like, bad motivator. She went, all right, yeah. It's like that, that line. <laughs> that line does the job. Um, so yeah. Uh, we track down uh, M- M- Mos Pelgos because this is apparently allegedly the last time the Mandalorian that came to Tatooine has been sighted. There's uh, whispers of of him being out there. Uh, Mando rocks up into the bar, the quietest bar we've ever seen in Star Wars, because <laughs> everybody kind of keeps to themselves and also you know budget. Um, oh, it's a tiny town. <laughs> It's a tiny, it's a tiny, tiny, proper tiny Western, m- like people, people on their porches when he arrives and he's taking mm-hmm. the long walk down the main street and, mm-hmm. oh, it's so West, like all it needs is, <laughs> uh, gets into the bar, um, and eventually ends up meeting the marshal who that, did you know anything about it before your watch of the episode? I knew Timothy Oliphant was in it. Yeah. And I knew it was rumored that he was. Cobb Vanth. It's okay. not outright confirmed. So I pretty much knew what was coming. But I was just like, oh yeah, it, that, that reveal cool shot. Shit. That reveal shot as they just slowly raise the camera on this dude walking through the bar. Yeah. And you're like, hang on, that's that, that weird little one knee pad looks familiar. Yeah. Hang on. It's, fucking hell, he's wearing Boba Fett's armor. Yep. What is going on? Um, Which again, if you've bit, read that was a bit confused. You'll yeah. know about, um, yeah. because that was after the first... after where they suggest that. Oh, yeah, this was found uh, on Tatooine somewhere. Yeah, uh, uh, battered yeah, and acid pitted and all messed up. Um, nowhere to go because again, back in Return of the Jedi, Boba Fett hilariously knocked by a blind Han Solo into the Sarlacc pit, um, and seemingly. Left there to digest over a thousand years. Um, <laughs> dude's got a jetpack. Broken as it may be, he clearly found a way out at some point. Although we find out in this, maybe it was assisted. Because it turns out these dragon things have been eating Sarlacc pits. Yeah, apparently so. So it's entirely possible. Because of course the Sarlacc pit, you think of it as just a hole in the desert with teeth or, or yeah. a beak. And, and it's like, yeah, it's a big freaking stomach. 
sat in the desert that has a little bit at the top that eats stuff. Like, that's what it is. If something bigger than it wants to come along and swallow it whole, then fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and based on how they did it, maybe it spat someone out. Um, so, yeah. That reveal shot, pulling up to reveal this dude in the helmet and the chest plate, like the gauntlets and the bits on his knee and the jet the jetpack. It's like, what is happening? Uh, the jetpack slash rocket launcher. Actually, I think you're finally, fine. yes. Oh my god, they. D- oh right. So that how last year's finale, it's, it's, it's penultimate, gave us the uh, the stormtrooper uh, personnel carrier. Yeah, the toy that existed but was never in anything. And then they went, well, how do we get the stormtroopers into this scene? Should we just make that toy a thing? Finally, let's yeah, make let's it a real it. thing. And how they how they made the bloody prop that was like a a little uh, ice cream cooler into a prop. That has now appeared yep. twice in the show. It's like, oh, these nerdy little references that like don't ruin it or it, it interrupt it or slow it down at all. They've just found ways to put them in and make it make it beautiful, folks. Make it tremendous, folks. Make it tremendous. Uh, that was the voice of ex president of America. Fingers crossed. I'm not. I'm not jinxing it. Not on this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, uh, armor of Boba Fett. Uh, there he is, with like you said, the jetpack that actually fires like all of the freaking toys have done at some point and or didn't do for health and safety reasons and prototypes did, etc. We finally get to see it launch a rocket and it's like, yes, there we yeah. go. Um, Timothy Oliphant as Vanth in that armor is the best like chilled cosplay I've ever seen. Like. They have the parts. I'm expecting the Black Series figure eventually to come he's, out of this guy. He's so fucking cool in this. Suave like, as fuck. Because he makes so it clear, like, cool. The man does just like, I want I want the armor. He's like, well, no, because I protect the people of this town and I use this armor to help me. And it's like, so are we going to have to have a fight? Yep. Oh, shit. Okay, it's going to throw down. Mm, there's a bigger problem. Maybe we can work something out. Yeah. So this big old dragon's been devouring Banthers. Poor Banther getting swallowed. Also, before we get onto that, yeah. Timothy Oliphant played the sheriff in Deadwood. Yes. Yeah. The Weequay bartender is played by the guy who played the bartender in Deadwood. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, what a great bit. Of, again, fan service, but like on the in the subtle way. That's the best kind. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really, really good. Like, this is clearly made by a bunch of people who are like, oh, we like Star Wars and we're going to get some good names for it and we're just going to play with it. We're just going to play with the things that these people have been in before and we're going to do all sorts of references and we're going to really geek out about it. Yeah. It just makes me smile. I mean, the biggest fanboy working on this show is the showrunner. and and Yeah. He, John Favreau, wrote and directed uh, this one. So, yeah, he was obviously like... Oh, let me let me play with these toys. Let me do this. And definitely, while I'm at it, I'm gonna I'm gonna show some Deadwood love, and we're gonna do this. We're definitely cross paths. Toys. Definitely <laughs> cross paths with Timothy Oliphant before, because he was in the running for Iron Man. Ah, oh. I don't think Iron Man would have had the lasting appeal had it been Timothy. I don't think Timothy um, would have done Timothy first name multiple basis, movies. I don't <laughs> think he would have done a franchise. He doesn't strike no. me as the as the kind of actor who does franchises. He, he's he's not a relationship guy. If you've ever read, no. uh, which one is it? It's uh, uh, Kevin Smith's uh, shooting the shit with Kevin Smith. His second yeah. like memoir book. He talks about making catch and release, um, which is where Jennifer Garner basically decided. Oh she yeah, didn't of course, like him, of course. Which led to him and Ben Affleck sort of not talking very much when Ben Affleck married Jennifer Garner. Um, but Timothy Oliphant was on that film as well. Yeah, Apparently yeah, of course he was, he was. Fucking unpleasant to work with. It's oh, like, no. oh, that sucks. But then you see him do interviews with Conan specifically, and it's like, you're really funny. Yeah. And very dry. Maybe you have learned and become a better person? I hope so, because I would like this team to go, we really like working with him. We're going to bring Cobb Vanth back at some point for something. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Because that beard and that quiff, my God. Um... So, my God, my God, that is that is a beautiful man, um, a beautiful man who wants to save his people from a giant evil worm dragon creature that is eventually going to get tired of eating banthers and is just going to eat the town. Um, so we get 
The Mandalorian as a show doing some really cool shit for Star Wars, including, oh yeah, humanizing the Tusken Raiders. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. So well done. Like, Tusken Raiders, they want to get rid of it too for different reasons. We learn at the end it's because there's a, they want the meat and there's a there's a pearl. There's a freaking pearl inside it. Which at first we were like, is that an egg? And it was like, well, no, that wouldn't make any sense. Oh, it's a pearl. Mm-hmm. Of course, why not? Like, we've got animals that randomly have just bits of jewellery formed in their body. Like, why it's, the hell um, is that far-fetched for Star Wars? It's another it's another bit of weird Star Wars EU lore as well that's been sort of repurposed the idea it's of great dragon done. pearl. It's beautifully done. And and again, yeah, it's it's great because a right, few things are great with the Tusken Raiders in this. Tusken Raiders in the original films and the prequel trilogy are very much under George's like jurisdiction, George Lucas's jurisdiction. Um George grew up in the uh the the fifties and sixties of America, um, in Hollywood, in a time where he and all of his peers were white people. He had like no other sort of cultural experiences really mm. in his life or brought, introduced to him, and it shows a lot in his movies. He means no he means no ill will when he makes these decisions, but it still doesn't make them decisions that are gonna, you know, be completely ignored when like the you know the 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 vice gunroy and everything in the prequels are like clearly Asian like archetypes. You've got. Uh, the only character who sort of his his entire trait is dealing with money is Watto, who has a very specific accent and a specific yeah. design. And the Sand People in the original trilogy, the Tuscan Raiders, there's clearly some like uh, Islamophobia going on with that and fear of certain Asian territories, and it's it was it's used as shorthand it's the whole like old archetype from the series yeah. of you know the, it's a problem the, a lot the, of the uh, savage who have their own way and they dress a certain way and they live in the desert and it's like yeah it's a problem that a lot of fantasy mm. settings have that especially the ones that are like written in europe um yeah. have with like using um south and east asian cultures as sort of stand-ins at, for whatever sort of exotic cultures they want to talk about. They're usually very othered. Yeah. Whereas in, in the Mandalorian series one and two now, they've kind of made a conscious effort with certain alien races of going, yeah, let's give them a little bit more like mythology and background mm. and a, a common ground that you, the viewer can look at and go, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. And, and as a result, humanize them a lot more. Yeah. Like here, we learn that the Sand People, the Tuscan Raiders, who have been framed so far as these horrid things that steal and kidnap and yep. you know, well, raiders. assault and stuff. Yeah, like we in this, they make it clear that oh, this part of Tatooine, they were here first. Mos Eisley and yeah. all those areas built up around them over the last few hundred years. These these tribes were here initially. They are the, you know, indigenous peoples of this part of Tatooine. Um, they raid and pillage to stay alive because they've had everything taken from them. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily want the same societies that have been built up around them. They don't want those things. They don't covet it. They just want to be left the fuck alone. And they defend their own territories. Yep. Which, Which is, it's like... Which, oh of my course, God. the yes. uh, invaders slash colonizers don't recognize as their territories. Yeah. And all, the, partially because of the, mythologi- the, 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 the mythologizing of them at this point as well, of like, oh no, they're evil, they live out in the desert and they, mm. they kill you. And it's like, yeah, maybe someone actually talked to them, which the Mando can, because there is a, a, uh, a variation on American Sign Language used in this, which on Twitter, do you see the, the post I put out, some behind-the-scenes stuff that's being shared about it? Or uh, I didn't, some, but I, knew, I know that the the actor who's like the lead um, Tuscan is a deaf actor who helped to develop the yeah, Tuscan well, yeah, Sign they, Language. They, they decided they wanted the Mando to interact with them via a, a sign language, and they wanted mm. to base it on ASL. Because they wanted their viewers who who are deaf who use American Sign Language or, or or you know like a training in it to kind of spot spot bits of it in the display, and they just went, why don't we just craft it so it's like sixty percent ASL, 
and 40% hour thing and we'll mm-hmm. get in a deaf performer to play the play the, the, the lead um, Tuscan Raider so that we can actually make this as organic as possible and they work together and, and uh, I believe Pedro Pascal did shoot a good chunk of this one because they talk about he like came along and did the workshop with him to yeah. figure out the movements and it's like oh shit like that's some I mean that's them going here's the thing we could do that'd be really cool because it's some representation that doesn't distract from the fact we're technically in a place where you can't see you know eye to eye of as that's like me because it shouldn't necessarily be like that because it's space aliens and it's meant to be a bit different so they found a way to incorporate it that was organic not too weird put in some little like variations so that people who speak ASL and use ASL to communicate would go oh so that's how they that's how people on Tatooine say this and yeah like, so so there's a little bit of like the whole you know the, the Klingon thing of oh I wonder what that says I want to read it and see if I can figure it out um and also uh just you know the hiring of a deaf actor to not play a deaf part yes it's a neat like, um great well done guys well freaking done yeah Something that you would uh, be able to opt out of if you're using Spotlight to cast things. But oh, hey, there, that's, a, that's a discussion for another time. Go and have a look on Twitter for that one. Um, oh, it is freaking horrendous. Um, every day I, I go like, why am I paying for this? Yep. Um, uh, but yes. It's, just, uh, it's so, admin and discrimination. Um, yes. So yeah, uh, that's beautiful. They want to get rid of the Dragon 2 so an uneasy alliance is formed. Um, mm-hmm. We learn we learn about how Cobb Vanth got hold of the armor. We get another little fan favorite um, uh, Star Wars race making another appearance in the show. Yeah, get some more uh, Jawas. Yeah, Tatooine Tatooine native Jawas this time because last time we saw him it was on a different world, wasn't it? And then this time, yes. it's like, yep, yeah, yeah, they are. Because remember that last series, I was like, hang on, we're not on Tatooine, are we? It's like, no, oh, well, I guess that makes sense. Like, if Jawas just sort of like set up shop on each planet and do their thing and and travel and collect junk and sell it and with their big sure. stupid sand crawlers, big fuck off sand crawlers, which saved <laughs> saves Cobb Vanth because we we learned that um what was it after the Empire fell after the second Death Star was uh, blown up mm-hmm. there was a a guard troop from because they're not Imperial are they. They're called the mining um, consortium or something. Yeah, basically a group like, of like enforcers for a mining company. Who are like, all right, well, we're taking this town now. Now yeah, they, 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 they essentially take it. They take advantage of the fact that like imperial rule has obviously affected the town in some way. Yeah, and the moment the empire defeated, they go right. Well, now's our chance to literally just step into that gap. And, and take charge and um the uh is he the marshal yet or is he appointed um, marshal on his return i think he's sort of a i think it mentions that he is or was in the uh aftermath novels yeah but i think so i think he just escapes and then but i don't know if they made him marshal yeah it's not necessarily clear if he was before no. Or not. But we know that he he, bu- he buggers off out of town because he's like, I if I just kick up a fight, I'm gonna get killed. Yeah. I'm gonna get the shit out I'm gonna get the shit out of here and figure it out. But natural natural um uh events in all bloody adventure serials set in a desert lead to him nearly dying of thirst after days travelling alone in the desert winds and all that good sh- shite. And then mm. the sandcrawler finds him and he gets brought aboard. They give him shelter and they give him food in exchange for the uh, the, the crystalline um, power supply that he nicked before he left uh, from the mining people's vehicle because he sort of takes that, doesn't he? So they can't like drive after him or uh, yep. delay them repowering their weaponry. So he trades that with the Jawas in exchange for shelter and then gives them the rest in exchange for a curiosity that they have amongst their junk, a series of armor plates from uh, a Mandalorian. Um, garb, including the helmet and, and chest and shoulder plate and jetpack. Yep. Goes back to the town and in a pretty decent scene just kicks the arse of all of the miners who've taken over. Yep. And protects everybody. And you're like, this is wonderful because people who've never seen Return of the Jedi will still just get that this is badass and cool. And they'll go, look at how cool he looks in that helmet. Isn't yep. this great? 
isn't this awesome? And everybody who's grown up with that movie's going, oh, Bubba got out! Bubba got out! He got out! He got out! And it's like it's like the Aftermath novels talk about like the, the armor is not in a good nick. Like it's still no. it's still Beskar, so it's it's deflecting um, yeah, like there's, laser fire and, there's, and it's, it's protected him. The the Aftermath really sort of leaves a bit of ambiguity as to whether Boba himself is still is still alive. Yeah, or whether or not it just the Sarlacc just spat the armor out yeah. at some point. Mm. But it's there and it's working good enough. Um, so they they set a trap. Um, two two Mandalorians, the townsfolk, after some big convincing uh, speeches yeah. from uh, from the marshal and from the Mandalorian. Uh, um, and with the Tusken Raiders, they set a trap for the thing where they're going to blow up its underbelly as it crawls towards bait out of its tunnel. Um, and it seems like the the first scene here, and then the finale, like the third act, like attempted trap, where I forget that this is a TV show with a TV show's budget. Yeah. Like an American TV show's budget, so, you know, and genre, so a bit bigger a, a than Disney, your average watch. Disney budget. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's still, it's still going to cost a lot, but it's not going to... Like, think about it. A, a Big Bang Theory final series episode technically would have had more money spent on it due to just, like, fees and... Yeah, I guess. ...and stuff. I guess. And this is, this is like, movie-level um, visual effects and imagery and it looks phenomenal like it looks so so good mm-hmm. it's so well directed well, all the just, oh, all beautiful. the all the crate dragon fight stuff is filmed in imax oh yes because there's a really subtle um ratio shift isn't yeah. there like it's sort of it's sort of like almost very gently star wipes into position and then yeah. it like eventually oh yeah no, that was good damn yeah see nolan that's how you do it you make it visually happen on screen it's really re- slowly in a way that isn't distracting nice. <laughs> that yeah, was beautiful it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of reaction oh. shots from the child in this the child doesn't get much to do in this apart from just react and be adorable um but sometimes it's all you need from baby yoda that's, that is all you need that's all you need um uh, the crate what do you think of the way sorry no, go on <laughs> no go on I will. I will say that I was wrapped by this episode, and there's a there's the moment where you see the crate dragon unleash its long range attack. Yeah, it was just like because I wasn't because so I wasn't vile. expecting it. It was just like whoa, literally, yeah. literally let out an audible whoa as it spewed it so, like steaming globs of orange vomit from its mouth. It was just so um, epic. And they and they leave it. They shoot it in a way that it leaves it unclear whether or not that's like stomach acid and it's melting the troopers. Or oh not, no, it is uh, acid. melting the, the 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 people. Yeah, well, they they they, ne- they never linger long enough to give a child yeah. watching a nightmare, and it's like, oh, that's clever. Oh, that's that's gruesome. That is so yeah. so horrible. I just the thought, like seeing the size of it and how quick it moves once it knows it's under attack. It's like. How how I mean, you you die just from that stuff landing on you? Never mind what mm-hmm. it does to you. Like that much liquid from a height that that uh, oh, and, uh, you know, nasty. We, we get a good uh, a good old Jonah and the whale moment as well, which is that's such great like for, <laughs> oh brilliant, so good. It's really like, Cobb's like Cobb yeah. doesn't want to leave the Mando to 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 do something stupid, so he he uses. He uses apparently a defect these jetpacks have because we saw it in Return of the well, Jedi. Just that de- just that jetpack specifically. Just yeah, Boba Fett's jetpack. jetpack. What you knocked into it? Oh shit! Well, I guess you're being fired at something now. Yeah. Goodbye. And it happens here. He knocks it, and off he flies. Like he's like, protect the kid. Um, and he takes the banther that's covered in explosives and mm-hmm. stays there long enough to be eaten by the dragon. Um. And then zaps it and its gob gets spat out and <laughs> explodes the banther. Poor banther. Bloody hell. Um, it's just <laughs> it's just so... the Just the action, the look of it all is beautiful. And just, again, the Western thing at the end of like, I hope I see you again. Me too. And it's like this whole thing of like, you know, our paths will, our paths will cross again at some point. Like, next season maybe. But like, you know, and he's true to his word. Some people get the they start carving the meat off of the dragon immediately boy do they 
and then they find the uh, the pearl. Um, the townspeople now know that the sand people, unless provoked, are going to leave them alone. Uh, that they make that bargain that like the sand people won't attack the town or or try and raid the town ever, unless like it'll be broken the moment any of you do shit to us. Yeah, and it's like good, like good, well done. Don't give them a free pass, uh, but at least give yourselves like some respite and a breather. Yeah. Um, and Cobb, true to his word, gives Mando the Mandalorian armor. Um, which is where, what we were saying earlier, we're not sure if this is going to turn into a spoiler ongoing thing or whether or not it was just a neat little Easter egg to make you all feel giddy at the end of this episode. But if he's got this Mandalorian armor, surely Mando's now going to try and trace back more, maybe? Like, mm-hmm. so where did this come from? And blah, blah, blah. But as he leaves on his speeder, which is, you know, same one from last series used on Tatooine um, when he was after Ming-Na Wen. And uh, also, uh, Cobb Vance Speeder, can we just take a moment? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's the fact that, like... So, Cobb Vance Speeder is uh, sort of like the seat of a speeder bike, maybe one of the the floating things that the, the battle droids used to use, because it's sort yeah. of like a seated thing with a little mount. But it's strapped to an engine on its side. So he's like in a sidecar to this yeah. engine, which is the bulk of the vehicle. And the engine is a fucking pod racer engine. I think it's one of Anakin's. Well, yeah, it, well, that's the thing. It's got the, the circular end with the little sort of beak yeah. in the middle of the fan. And it's got two of the big yellow panels on the front. Because uh, the, the majority, the, the bulk of it's like a red mix of a few different things. But it's like, yeah, the front of that is Anakin Skywalker's pod. Yeah, like the front of that is the pod racer that Anakin was driving in Phantom Menace, because of course it is. They'd have been finding shit like this out in the deserts of Tatooine and turning it into new tech. Oh yeah, of course they'd be doing that. That makes sense, and it's not. They don't do anything with it. There's no musical sting. There's no hero shot of this vehicle. It's just wait a minute. No, no, because it's sort of. No. <laughs> it's sort of buried in the moment that's sort of a humorous mind's bigger than yours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gag with <laughs> yeah. um Cobb just sort of sidling up to Mando on his enormous speeder bike. Um so it's kind but of as, as Mando's Yeah. In that gag, but which as... is neat. It's like a it's like a little joke down the back of the sofa. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. But um, you'd feel that if it was prodding you. But as Mando's driving away, Matthew, yeah. and the episode's about to hit its conclusion, what the heckington do they leave us with? What, uh, what mental image do they leave us with before pulls we all back, turn off for the night? It pulls back to reveal a robed figure watching Mando from a distance who turns so the camera can see his face, and it is the face of Tamura Morrison who played Jango Fett in the prequel series... And all the clone troopers and, of course, Django's son slash clone, Boba Fett. Um, now, of course, he doesn't play Boba physically in the originals trilogy. Um, but well, they since the prequel his, trilogy. Yeah, since the prequel yeah. trilogy, they've redubbed his lines. Um, and so, yeah, Tamira Morrison, Boba Fett, on Tatooine. Confirmed! Bald, bald as a coot. Slightly scarred. It looks like his his eyebrows are, have gone. Um, oh, it looks like and, he's been fucked uh, up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, <laughs> partially digested ah. <laughs> in a sarlacc pit at some point over a course um, of a thousand years. Um, yeah, and and he's got what's great is he's sort of got like a, a sort of a, a, a like a spear and a what looks like kind of a gun or a rifle or something like ba- um, mounted on his back. Yeah, it looks like he's probably been scabbing enough Tuscans. And the butt of the the long gun is the barrel of his like sort of rifle. Oh, I didn't rifle. catch that. That's it's neat. The, yeah, I've, I don't know if I can bring the toy down now. It's all a bit wibbly, but yeah, the, the, it's got this very distinct. I know the rifle you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was that's like, neat. Oh, that's a nice toy. Like it's not the full thing. It's just like the tip of it. It's like of because course of, it would be. Of course, Cobb's not is... got the weapons. He's just got the. He's just got the. the yeah, the armor, the armor and the weapon. Well, the weapons are built into the armor. Yeah, but um, yeah. That makes the interesting thing about if if Boba meets Mando is that Boba's not a Mandalorian. Boba, well, he is a Mandalorian technically, well, but he's not he's, he's been a raised from as a part of the creed. Yeah, 
He's a clone of a and Mandalorian. Also, and also, Django was uh, ejected from the Creed, wasn't he? He was. He was. Um, I'm not sure what Django's exiled. backstory. Back, backstory. Always in the new canon. Yeah. Well, I imagine I, most of that stuff is still canon, but um, I never really got into the whole thing with Django, so yeah. I'm not sure. Um, as far as I'm aware, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. Big dumb contact at gmail.com. As far as I'm aware, he was he was uh, exiled from the Creed, so hence why he's doing some shady yeah. shit on Camino to earn his earn his way. Well, they do get uh, into some. Way. They do get into some a lot of Mandalorian stuff in the Clone Wars series, so uh, I should probably catch up on that at some point. Especially because the that. earlier the earlier clones steal, um, like a Mandalorian uh, uh, visual sort of look like the, the clones in attack of the clones yeah yeah have that like the t-visor and it's yeah it's like oh dear which of course is all a callback to boba fett's origins because his original design was as a, a sort of a one-off um super trooper essentially he was going to be like one of the like a heavy hitter <laughs> for, for the imperial trooper. forces because uh, <laughs> and you can find they've done seriously. a bunch of toys they've done a bunch of toys of him since they always call it prototype armor it's basically just yeah. a white boba fett um, so the, the clone's design and Django was obviously a callback to what George originally pictured Boba Fett being like and doing. It's like, okay. But yeah, he alive. Will he come back or will he not? You know what? I'm happy either way. If yeah. he doesn't come back after this, I'm like, what a cool little nugget at the end to be like, oh, Boba's alive and on Tatooine and doing his thing. And we well, might do something thing? with him later. Yeah. What's his well, thing that he's doing? Well, I remembered um, uh, Ming-Na Wen's character in, in the last series, the last story on Tatooine, her body yeah. is approached by someone at the end. There's someone in boots and a, a like a long robe at the bottom of the boots approaches the body. Shit! And in this, when we see him, he's in a long fucking like cape, a long robe over his clothes. Shit! So, maybe it was Boba out in the arse end of nowhere getting up to shenanigans. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, if he does come back, though, that'll be interesting to see. It's the first episode of the series. Maybe he will tie into the arcing mm. narrative of this series and we'll see him again, but maybe That'd not because be they do tend to jump from planet to planet in the show to keep it fresh so you're not stuck in the same spot. So Yeah, yeah. You know, Boba ain't travelling out into space anytime soon because he would have done it sooner. <laughs> so, yeah. I just thought it was quite cool, because Boba Fett is a character whose entire longevity as a merchandisable aspect of the Star Wars franchise is based solely off of the fact that he looks cool. Like I, I, yeah. I adore Boba Fett, but yeah, I acknowledge yeah. that he is, in the films we've had him in, a fucking useless character. <laughs> like, he's intimidating an empire, and then in Jedi is proved to just be good looking, and that's it. Like, that's all he's got. He looks cool. Um, so, the idea that the Mandalorian has obviously now given us a Mandalorian character as fans to go, yeah, they're pretty badass, and they look the fucking same. So, yeah. yeah. We get it. We, we get more Boba Fett without getting Boba Fett. The same way that I think we all did like Django a little bit in Attack of the Clones, because it was like, we're getting more Boba Fett, kind of. So. And, you know, after, what, 30, 40, nearly 40 years, yeah. we finally got an answer to the question. Boba Fett, where? <laughs> On Tatooine! He's there! Son. He's there! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's cool to know that even Boba himself kind of gets to enjoy his mythology a little bit yeah. by... Um, being part of a cool season opener for this show. Uh, I, I can't wait to see where this is going. I really can't wait to see. Mm. Um, I'm jazzed. Oh, it makes me happy. And I really I can't to convince wait a friend this to week. see um, Rosario Dawson pop up as Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano. In live action. That's the thing I'm excited about. Like Seeing a, a fan-favorite animated character finally making a debut yes. on screen. In vision. Um, I'm down as a practical for practical costume and effect. Like that that will hopefully be really freaking cool. Um Have we had any emails this week, Squire? Or has it been um, a quiet one? I'll tell you what we have had. Ooh. I'll tell you what we have had. We've had a return. A bill. Oh. A return. Of Boba Fett. Boba Fett. From <laughs> <laughs> a return from our Doctor Who correspondent. 
It's Sam. They're back. Sam, 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 Sam. It says, it says, hello, my friends. I'm back again. And I have two stories to review. The Invasion and the Curse of Peladon. <laughs> Wait, why those two? What's I the connection? I don't know. The Invasion <laughs> is the best thing I've ever seen with the second Doctor. Episode 4 is the best and the Cyberman and Cybermen are not in it a lot. Yeah, The Curse of Peladon they're, they're, they're is great too. They're best when they're held back. <laughs> Just launched straight into boom. Boom. I'm, I'm hoping I get the right number of vowels here. John Pertwee is the best doctor. Or is he? Is it Peter Davison or Patrick Troughton or Hartnell or McGann? Are those the only choices? Um, I, 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 and we are done for this week. Next time we are Tiny and Planet of Giants. Goodbye. I love it. Keep doing what you're doing. The invasion is fucking great, to be fair. Um, it is pretty great. It's it also the first great. appearance of the Brigadier as the Brigadier as well. Yes, so that's, he's that's nice. Colonel Lethbridge Stewart in Web of Fear. Yes, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the United um, Nations Intelligence Task Force, although I don't think they refer to it. Oh, no, they do refer to it as that. That's in the invasion. Mm. Yeah, because their base is in an, air, it's in an airplane hangar in a big plane. Yeah, because like, I, think, I, I think they were already toying with the idea of them being recurring characters. Even they were that testing far out. It. Yeah. Yeah. So they were testing the water. <laughs> which is neat. Which is neat. Uh, and final, to, to finish, we've got a little missive. And, uh, oh. We've got is a little it from, missive. Is it from Agador? From, is it from Agador? It's not from Karun, Agador. Karun, Karun. No, okay. <laughs> it's from Alpha Centauri. Uh, no, it's not from oh, Alpha Centauri wonderful. either. <laughs> <laughs> is it from that freaking weird skull in a in a in a in a in a, in a, in a, a fridge with a little hatch at the top? Ow, bongo! No, it's from Zippy. Uh, ice. <laughs> That's what happened to uh, Max Capricorn from Voyage ah. of the Damned. Eventually, he just rots and turns into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one comes from uh, just. I don't know what I don't know what his relationship is with the show exactly, but we'll just call him Ian. Uh, <laughs> He signed himself off as our humble, as your humble torturer. So I yeah. think that's probably the yeah. best way to describe, to describe I'll, I'll take it. the show. Um, and it's just a little <laughs> short missive to say, I saw this as the plot to Venom 2, and it's just a must for Matt to read out live to Chris. Now, being oh, the comic God. book ignoramus that I am, could it please be explained to me, as I'm very confused how this relates to Venom? And he sent us a screenshot of um, a little uh, blurb that's going around for Venom 2. Let there be carnage. And I'm going to tell you, and it says, it says, Academy Award nominated actor Tom Hardy returns to the big screen as the lethal protector Venom, one of Marvel's greatest and most complex characters. <laughs> oh dear. Oh Let's dear. unpack that a little bit. Um, mm. One of Marvel's greatest mm. and most complex characters. Nope. Now, unless they're referring right, to was the easy. symbiote. Unless they're referring to the symbiote, because to be fair, the symbiote's been up to a lot of shit with different people and had different roles over the years, but mm. Eddie Brock Venom? I'm a bad guy. I'm kind of a good guy. I don't want to be a bad guy anymore. Someone I'm else be Someone guy. else be me. Oh, no, I'm a good guy in a white suit. <laughs> and now I'm the bad guy again. There you go. I'm the bad guy in the suit. I'd say that his, his, his story is about as complex and layered as an armless headless legless thing <laughs> rolling down the street <laughs> like a turd in the wind <laughs> oh dear like a turd I like the Venom the character I I have a favourite I like the Flash Thompson version the, the like secret agent Agent Special Venom. Ops um, character used by the US government and the idea of basically like a drug that makes you powerful and restores your legs and, and makes you want to, you know, gives you everything you wish you could still be doing after leaving the army and being, you know, like having your life affected by losing limbs and he then protect, the battle with that addiction. He attack, but most importantly, his legs grow back. 
Yes! Oh, brilliant! <laughs> brilliant! Oh my god. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> you're attacking, you're attacking. You can't beat it! You can't beat that! God, I've, won, so... I've won the podcast for this week. You've won and we've done. Ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Get in touch with the show. We want to know what your thoughts are on Mando episode one and two by next week. So let us Mando, know. Mando, 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 Mando. <laughs> uh, that is, of course, if the world still exists next week. But we kind of hope it does because, like, you know, we, we want to re- reach 300 at least. Um, yeah, quick election update. There is no update. <laughs> Hey. Not since the start of our recording, anyway. Um, but there are updates every Monday and Friday on twitch.tv hey. slash stream where Matt plays a game from 7 Toidy. Uh, and I'm modding the chat, tickling his pickles. We also can be found on YouTube. Everything we ever make and put out in video form can be found on the Big Damn channel over on YouTube. And of course, we're on Twitter yes. at Big Damn Cast. You can hit us up whenever you like. But until then, uh, I'll leave you with these wise worms. I'll send them out to each of you. (laughs) Just feed them the wisest soil and they shall furnish you with all the stocks for just one pound. (laughs) Wise soil. (laughs) That's what I call my poop.